I'm Kerry Adams and you're listening to Kerry's Connoisseurs coming to you from Solid Gold Podcasts. Here we talk to the movers and shakers, the drinkers, the dreamers and all the people who make it happen in the liquor and luxury industries from around the world. Welcome to Kerry's Connoisseurs and today is a gorgeous autumn day in Johannesburg. I promised and promised and promised and finally it's happened. We have put some new wines into the little solid gold Kerry's Connoisseurs shop. And more than just putting some new wines in, we have put some French wines in. And along with the introduction of those French wines into the shop, we're going to be doing a little series of podcasts um, and YouTube. What are they called, Cal? Are they called YouTube movies or what are they? I mean, help me. YouTube videos. Thank goodness I've got these kids around me. YouTube videos. Uh, teaching you how to go about these French wines, which everybody needs to know about. So to that end, I thought I'd get an ugly old moth-eaten Frenchman into my studio to pique your interest. Hervé, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much, Lady Carrie. Always <laughs> a pleasure to be Isn't chatting Isn't he ugly, together. everybody? He's so <laughs> ghastly. I thought if anything was going to get you drinking French wine, it might be my darling Hervé. So thank you very, very much. Well, you, you never know with AI today, it may be just an avatar. I know, you Maybe could I be a blow-up doll on the other Frenchman. side of that screen <laughs> with a very pretty face, <laughs> but he's not. I can tell you, I've seen him in real life. <laughs> today he's joining us from Cape Town because he does, he runs a business called Premier Crew and does it incredibly efficiently, largely on his own in South Africa. And... He brings wines. In fact, we have lots of fun together. Swervy. I call him Swerve because Hervé sounds so, it sounds like I'm choking on my avocado pear toast. So I call him Swerve, but you're not allowed to. That's my pet name for him. He brings wine in from not only France, all around the world. But we're going to do a little bit of background on you first. Where were you born? In the Loire? Yes, I come from the Loire Valley in France, <laughs> Lady Carey. Uh, so it's right in the center for those of you that can't locate it too precisely. It's just about one and a half straight south of Paris. Of Paris. Paris you grew up. The Loire is so beautiful. It's so, so pretty. I don't know how you ever left it behind. But you didn't go straight into wine, straight from school. Tell us a little bit of background of what you did when you finished school. True. So while well, I did my studies in the Loire Valley, so not only was I born and raised in the Loire Valley, but also did my studies there. But these were business studies. And then that led me later on to a career in consumer goods, in fast-moving consumer goods. So before being a French wine guy, I was a French candy man selling biscuits, We can believe that. Uh, what if you believe you were a candy man? <laughs> <laughs> but that led me to an international career over time. What made you decide to leave the candy behind and, and follow a wine route? So I worked 10 years for a major international company in that, uh, in that industry, in Paris, in Miami, and in Dubai. And pretty much what happened in Dubai was kind of a conjunction of different factors. Uh, first of all, I became the French wine guy for the regional office of his company, where one day the managing director came to me and said, we've got this high executive coming up, uh, they love wine. You're French, you love wine, Your job. you pick the wines in the restaurants <laughs> yeah. we're going to go to. Exactly. It became part of my job. And I, you know, took the challenge and then it went on very well. And every single time uh, CEO, VPs and executives were coming in, I was the one to pick the wines. Uh, I also was traveling quite a bit in South Africa. 
and eventually was drawn to South Africa for multiple reasons. We're too. not even going to go to that, Rick. That I career. think that's why you're in Cape Town all the time, but we're not going to tell anybody. <laughs> we have a backstories here. Yes, it's true. It's true. Um, but yes, I fell in love with South Africa for multiple reasons. Eventually left that career in consumer goods and immediately started a career in the wine business. First of all, for a big international winery called Concheitoro, which is a big Chilean winery. And I was looking after uh, markets in the Middle East and Africa for them, based out of Cape Town. And then after a few years, decided to be a wine entrepreneur and studied from a crew and moved to Johannesburg. I knew that you were the French wine guy because you just, everybody says, who's that French wine guy? You actually don't have a name. Your name is the French wine guy, I think. Well, as you see, my name can be pronounced in so many ways. So French wine guy becomes a lot easier. So that's cleared up that little bit. And then I knew that you'd worked for Concertoro, which is one of my, (sighs) I want a business like Concertoro. It's just such a massive success story in the world of wine. They produce, and you can you can tell us, but they produce hundreds of thousands of bottles of wine every year. And they're incredible. They start from quite inexpensive and go up to some really, really smart wine. But I didn't realize that you worked for them here in South Africa. I thought that you'd worked for them when you were in America or when you were in Dubai or, or somewhere. I didn't realize it was from here. No, I mean, there was a tiny uh, tiny office, well, but tiny, we're talking about three people based out of mm. Cape Town, for Africa mm. and Middle East. And eventually I joined. For anybody office. who knows, who remembers mm. at, at Norman Goodfellows, I always, if I could, I used to stock the Casalera del Diablo range, which is really the only one that we mostly got in South Africa, which was unbelievable value for money. In those days, at under 100 Rand a bottle for a Malbec or a, I think they had a Pinot Noir, Cabernet, a Merlot, they had a, a Chardonnay. It was really good value for money. So is it no longer available in South Africa? Uh, it still is available in South Africa, but it is uh, at, at a very small scale, especially a very small scale as opposed to whatever the production of a company worldwide. I mean, Contractor is a company that exports one-third of a Chilean exports. Is that so? Yes, that's uh, as massive. That's why we want that company, Swervy. That's what we want. Anyway, I first met Hervé when he came up to Johannesburg and Sully Kramer, who was my partner at Norman Goodfellows, he said to me, I've met this French wine guy. And long story short, we went into a bit of a sort of a joint venture with Hervé uh, in a business called Premier Crew, which is doing incredibly well, thanks to you. You've done an amazing job of that business. And I just thought it would be really nice to put some of the offerings that you have within Premier Crew into my little podcast shop. And with an emphasis on Mother's Day, which is coming up on the 14th of May. But the Sunday yeah. 14th of so May. So we've got yes. some time to go shopping. And we're going to tell you what to buy. I suggested maybe the Arrogant Frog, which there's a nice story behind, which Harvey can tell you about, and then, of course, both of us love Chablis. I'm a complete and utter Chabliite. If there was a grape that we could pray to, it would be Chardonnay. And Chablis is Chardonnay. So we're going to tell you about that. So, Hervé, you start off. Tell them what you'd like. You start talking. It's your show. Well, thank you very much. First of all, it is your show, and I'm very happy to be your guest. Uh, so thank you for having me once again. 
And well, just to give you a broad idea of the selections that we've, we've taken together uh, that you uploaded into the shop. And what we do at Premier Cru is also we want to accompany people on their discovery journey. For me, wine is about journey, it's about people, it's about moments. And is there something that I took over from consumer goods? Is always to start and finish with a consumer. Now, when it comes to wine, we also associate very closely with the terroir, uh, the origin. And so the idea is to match consumer and origin and terroir together. So that's why I'll always say, you know, we're all on a discovery journey when it comes to wines. There's, you know, hundreds of thousands of amazing wines and the idea is let's walk step by step. Let's appreciate them for their differences. And I always say the only truth is everybody's palate, everybody's taste bud. And you can only know that you know, one taste at a time by discovering, 100%. by trying out. Uh, so that's what we're trying to do. We're going to try. Maybe we'll start with the Arrogant Frog first because they, it's a really, really reasonably priced wine from France. And I think, I think a lot of South African customers are a little bit intimidated when it comes to buying French because the French are you, you're also difficult and obsequious. You don't put on the bottle what grape is in there, but I think you do on the Arrogant Frog, don't you? Which makes it so much easier. We do. So the Arrogant Frog is, is a perfect introduction, really. It's a, it's a great value wine. Uh, it has a quirky story, a quirky label. It comes from a producer called Paul Mass, which is in the southern France, in an area called the Languedoc-Roussillon, which sometimes I refer to as the, the mm. Swartland of France, uh, in a way. That's an area that produces uh, quite good quantities of wine, but hasn't been as prestigious as other areas such as Bourgogne, where Chablis comes from, Bordeaux or Champagne. Uh, they tend to label as well a bit more in the Vato. And with obviously the, uh, the, the threat of studying into French wine is the pretension uh, of it, as, as you mentioned it. And as a, as a play, obviously he calls himself a humble winemaker, and he started this range, the arrogant frog, just uh, to turn that around so that it's a you bit know, of satire, to make it yes. more approachable. Yeah. Exactly, and this is a great value wine. Yeah. It's a gorgeous label. It's it's a frog, and he's got a sort of a French beret, and he looks like quite a he looks like quite a noble frog, really, doesn't he? On that label. Also, this gentleman uh, Jean Claude Mass, which is the new runner of his company, he calls himself um, looking after rural luxury. And I think this little frog with a beret embodies rural <laughs> luxury. And in I, I love that because Carrie's connoisseurs likes to embrace honest luxury. I think we all we are all entitled to indulge in a little bit of luxury every now and again, um, and without wishing to be too overt, because I can't stand all this blingy overt stuff that's going on at the moment. There's a time and a place for it, I suppose, but. I think we really are all entitled to a little bit of luxury every now and again. And French wines for me are, they are a luxury. They're beautiful. And these two little ones, so the white is a Chardonnay, is it? Or is it a Chardonnay Viognier blend? It's a Chardonnay Viognier. Well, technically it's 90% Chardonnay, 10% Viognier. So it is a blend, but just with a dash enough of Viognier to have these beautiful floral, peachy aromas uh, that entice you from the first smell. So that's for the white wine. So when our customers take their first sip, what are they going to taste? Peach, apricot would be dominant uh, fruit profile that come out of a viognier. Um, it's going to have uh, one beautiful white blossom floral component uh, coming to it. But it's a very gentle, very lightly wooded 
uh, type of wine. So it's not a really overwhelming type of Chardonnay, but very gentle, soft, fruity. Mm. And, and the white is so pretty. It's pretty. And I'm still old-fashioned enough and obsequious enough myself to say that I think it's very feminine. It is a very feminine wine. So that is the white arrogant frog. They're line price, don't they? The white and the red are the same price. They are the same price. Yeah, the idea is to obviously have an introductory price point. Uh, the red is a, a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot, 55%, 45%. And again, very soft, silky, gentle, easy to drink and fruity style. Uh, in short, what I say for, for these wines, and actually that's a, a catchphrase that uh, I, uh, I, I coined and, and eventually I shared it with the producer and stuff. I say it's arrogant but not pretentious. And <laughs> that's, that's a perfect way to it's discover It's not pretentious. It's the, I think it's the perfect entry level. So if what, mm. what is our pricing roughly? It's a hundred and something rand a bottle, isn't it? Uh, it's it's a, yeah, a hundred and forty exactly. rand I mean, a bottle. You can't really buy many decent South African wines at that price. So... For me, it's a little bit of a no-brainer. If you pop online, you'll find that arrogant frog, um, red and white, in the Carey's Connoisseur's shop. And just give it a try. It's, it's a talking point on your Mother's Day lunch table. Um, and it's a, it's a fabulous entry into the French wine that we, we really do love. We'll move on from there. And I think we'll keep Chablis for last. Let's take them on a quick little taste explosion down the Vouvray Road. Let's go down Vouvray Road. Well, now you're appealing to my <laughs> no, origins no. in that regard, <laughs> because Vouvray is one of the origins from where I, yes. I came from, just about 40 kilometers mm. away. Vouvray is a village. And here, I mean, when we talk about all these names that can be confusing for some of the clients, it's what we call the appellation system. Uh, just to introduce it very briefly, imagine, you know, this is, the whole appellation system is like a pyramid. At the bottom of a pyramid, the wine can come from anywhere in France. And that's what we would say is a vin de France. Anywhere in France. A French wine, pretty much. Uh, one step up from the pyramid, it comes from any region. And then it's the name of a region. So it could be Bourgogne, Burgundy, it could be Bordeaux, it could be Champagne as a region themselves. As you go one step further, you have the name of the villages. So Chablis being a village uh, in particular, or Vouvray being a village as well. And they come associated with particular grape varieties, cultivars that they specialized on over centuries. And as you go to the very top of the pyramid, you start talking about vineyards. And these vineyards can be classified as well between Premier Cru or Grand Cru. So Vouvray is a village in the Loire Valley, which only produces Chenin Blanc and is one of the origins and birthplace mm. of Chenin Blanc, but in a very different style to the Chenin Blanc that we know in South Africa. Uh, in the overall spectrum, there's really two countries that produce uh, Chenin Blanc essentially, which are South Africa, for a, a large majority, and France and, yeah. and the Loire Valley in particular. But in South Africa, we do know fantastic examples of Chenin Blanc that tend to be more wooded yes. uh, types of Chenin Blanc. In the Loire Valley, we tend to have unwooded. And that also is, you know, embodies what we do. We always want to, to showcase the differences. Uh, we love South African wines and the idea is as we go on that discovery and that uh, exploration is to help understanding the differences. Why are these wines different? Yes. Why is it unwooded Chenin Blanc, cooler climate, uh, the terroir, mm. the soil? So that's what we really uh, want to discover different profiles. And so Vouvray is unwooded Chenin Blanc 
and that comes from very limestone soils, which is also quite scarce in South Africa, but that will give a very distinctive profile. So the cooler climate and the limestone soil give a bit more of a zesty uh, white peach fresh uh, profile for Vouvray with a nice tanginess coming around from that limestone. I know, it's gorgeous. It's almost quite easy to give our listeners an idea. It's almost quite easy for me to sometimes confuse Vouvray with, or the French Chenin Blanc with Chardonnays because I love that citrusy zestiness on, on a Chardonnay grape and I often pick up a citrusy zestiness. Having said that though, if you buy Vouvray and you allow it to lie in your cellar for a couple of years and just mature a little bit and grow up and become a real boy, Pinocchio, it becomes appley and honeyed and viscous and absolutely gorgeous. And I've tasted some Vouvray's that are like 40, 50 years old, and they are just as gorgeous as they were the day they were. In fact, they're much more gorgeous than they were the day they made. It has a propensity to age, I mean, doesn't and it? These, these white wines, they do, they do. Uh, these white wines really age mm. gracefully. Uh, that minerality that we're talking about uh, acts as a complexity that will just keeps on getting rounder, mm. softer, and develop layers of complexity over time. So these are definitely white wines that you can age uh, you for can. a very long time. And, and did I mention the word appley? Because some of them become quite... I hesitate to say quite like old warm baked apples because I love baked apples, but that can sound like a derogatory remark, but they do become almost Calvados-ish. Do you know what I mean? Some of those old French Chenin Blancs, they can taste like Calvados. They're beautiful. So that's Vouvray, and we have put a Vouvray into the shop. Tell them about it. So, yes, it comes from a, a small estate called the Domaine de Margalo, which is family-run, fourth-generation, uh, cultivating under organic farming, uh, so a very sustainable approach which to express that terroir to the best. And this one is only aged for about six months, uh, but in tanks. So just to let it soften, to let it get a, a little bit rounder. So we are on, on the 2021 vintage, which is uh, perfectly ready to drink now for the zesty, citrusy uh, profile, but we, this is a, an estate that we've worked since uh, the 2016 vintage. And recently I stumbled upon an example of a 2016 vintage that was drinking was wonderfully uh, in that roundness, in that elegance integration uh, that we discussed. So beautiful example. We're mm. speaking about a wine under 200 rand a bottle, hey? Uh, just a little bit of, over at 225 rand. It's it's still not a lot of money when you when you consider the bang for your buck that you're going to find inside that bottle. It's really I love it. It's one of my favorite favorite wines in the port in your portfolio. Unbelievably priced and really delicious. What are we going to eat with that Vouvray? Give us an idea of what they should be if they buy Vouvray for oh. Mother's Day lunch. Should they give it to their mother with mm -hmm. omelets for breakfast, or should they give it to their mother with chickens for lunch tell us so this is a very versatile grape variety at some extent uh so i mean when it comes to breakfast i'm very partial to champagne myself <laughs> me too <laughs> i think every, yeah, every day, day should start with champagne <laughs> as much as feasible <laughs> uh, but here i mean this is a wine that you can have 
with you know white poultry as much as uh, as you can, but also you know with uh, fresh elegant salads you would enjoy. But also you know what is typical for us in the Loire Valley is we have a lot of goat cheese. Oh, that's nice. And this goat cheese pairs wonderfully well. That's a good idea. Uh, I hadn't thought about that. So goat cheese salad might be quite mm. nice with a glass of vouvray. I have got some of that vouvray in my own mm. cellar at home, and I had a bottle of it with a roast shoulder of pork one Sunday because the people that I had for lunch don't drink red wine. And we drank that vouvray with roast pork and crackling in it and, and apple sauces. It was gorgeous. It was absolutely delicious. And it was, it had enough texture in, in the mouth to deal with something heavy like meat. It was fabulous. So as you say, very versatile wine. And the beauty of uh, wines coming from what we call the old world of wine, particularly European wines, not only French, but Italian, Spanish, um, German, is these wines have been calibrated mm. over centuries for with original food. And that's why they actually are made to be yeah, know, enjoyed as are. part of gastronomy, as part of the and meal. And then, Swift, while so. we're talking about vinification and making of the wine, I think South Africa is catching up a lot now with organic farming practices and what have you. But France has been doing that for a very long time, haven't you? Uh, correct, yes. I think in the world of organic wines, there's two pioneer countries, which are Spain mm. and France, and that have the highest proportions of uh, organic vineyards. I think, I mean, it's still growing significantly. I think it's just short of 10% yeah. of organic vineyards. But South Africa is less than mm. 1% in that regard. So South Africa is catching up. Uh, but the beauty of organic wine is obviously, I mean, wine is a natural mm. product. So if you want the best expression, you want the healthiest grapes. And with the best grapes, you yeah. have the best wines. You so do. That tends to be this integrated, simple, but harder in practice. We mustn't confuse organic wine with what we know as certified organic wine in South Africa, where they've got to go through an incredible process to get this organic certification. I think it's pretty much just standard practice in France that you farm organically. You you don't use toxic sort of insecticides or sprays of any description. You use organic um, mulches and, and fertilizers and what have you. It's just taken as red. South Africa, there's a big, I don't know if it's the same in France, massive process that you have to go through, which is quite expensive, which is why a lot of the farmers here are shying away from being certified organic, but they are actually using organic farming practices. So that also means that there's less there's less additives and chemicals and shitty bits that they put in the wine that make you feel a little bit worse the next day, don't they? That is correct. And it, it starts with a belief as well. Um, and you're right, the certification can be mm. very demanding for some of the producers. The producer of Vizouvre is a good example. They believe in organic farming, but they don't pursue mm. the certification. Uh, the same because you know they do it for themselves and the well-being uh, of uh, mm. their land of mm. their vineyards uh, rather than only pursuing an additional tag uh, yeah. on the bottle so it comes just with a you know the balance yeah. of nature and wine is anything but very closely associated to the balance of nature so but it, it's very associated yeah it's just it's just a clever thing to do really so we are going to have some domain Domaine de Magulo Vouvray. I am definitely going to have some of that on Mother's Day, even though the only person who's going to drink it with me, I think, is my dog, because my child is not living in South Africa. So 
I mean, I have to drink it with my dog, Swerve. Unless you come to my house for Mother's Day lunch. It will be a pleasure to see you then. If you're not in Cape Town, Swervey, Swerve, we'll check. Hervé, Chablis, talk to us. Love of my life. I love Chardonnay. Chablis, just to give everybody an idea, is right up in the top. It's the sort of northernmost district of Burgundy, isn't it? Chablis. Uh, correct, yes. So if you look at the map, Chablis is quite a separate area to the rest of Burgundy. Uh, Chablis is such a fantastic name. Uh, so Chablis is the name of a village of Chablis. It's pretty much halfway between the heart of Burgundy, Paris, Champagne, and the Loire Valley. So if you kind of draw a square, it ends up right yeah. in the middle of a square. Um, and I mean, just the name itself is so recognizable nowadays. Well, I was thinking that if you do ever get married and have a little girl, a little boy, I think we're going to call it Chablis. I'm going to insist that you call it Chablis. I caught Harvey the other day. Could be a good name for a dog as well, too. <laughs> a dog's much less trouble than a child. But I caught I caught Harvey the other day. I think, where did I find you? Were you in France? I think I phoned you in France. And I said to him something about, where are you? What are you doing? Where are you going? And he said, are you going to Andalusia? And I thought he said he was on holiday with a, a girl called Andalusia. So I, I forgot to ask you when we when we started chatting that did you have a nice holiday with Andalusia? <laughs> well, it was it was more of a, a discovery <laughs> trip as well. And I mean, we've extended outside of French wine into Italian wine, Spanish wine, and <laughs> uh, we just and Andalusia was lovely. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'm pleased to hear it. So back to Chablis talk. So, so back to Chablis. So it's also a name that, you know, resonates with a great variety uh, itself. Yes. Chablis is a village that only produces essentially Chardonnay. And again, it's a very different style. So what I also love about Chablis is this is a style that we don't replicate uh, in South Africa uh, because of what I mentioned, mm. the terroir. Chablis is cooler climate. Chablis has what we call Kimmeridgian soils, which are limestone seashell fossils mm. rich soils. And they have had a history of perfecting uh, the art of his wine for so many centuries, initiated by the monks of Burgundy in the first place. Uh, but Chablis, Chardonnay is the easier uh, comparison and essentially unwooded Chardonnay. Yeah, they both start with a sha. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah. sha They both start with a sha, it's easy to remember. <laughs> It's part of our French training of all of you, actually, in case you didn't notice. So Chablis is getting quite a lot further up the pyramid, isn't it? Because it's certainly not just Fin de France and it's certainly not just what it is. It's got its own little village uh, of Chablis. So it is Precisely. quite smart. But the only time you ever see Chablis on a bottle, you can know that it's Chardonnay that you're buying. There's nothing else in that bottle of Chablis. Only Chardonnay. And... I don't know if it's still like that, but when I was studying, it was pretty much taken as read that Chablis was unoaked. You're not going to find any of those Chardonnays that are big, buttery, creamy, oaky, sort of, dare I say, clumsy Chardonnays. Not that the oaky ones in France, or a lot of them from the rest of the world, are clumsy, but you can get clumsy wood on Chardonnay. These are flinty and pure and clean and bright and dare I say, almost a bit maritime. That comes from that soil, that uh, seashell fossils that are embedded in the stones, in the limestone 
uh, is where Chablis grows. So if you walk through these vineyards, you may actually end up picking up stones that uh, still have shellfish uh, embedded into them. And that's why you've got shellfish being such uh, an icon. Yeah. And a lot of producers usually can be using them as a symbol in Chablis. But also when it comes to food pairing, what Chablis works wonderfully well with seafood mm. in the same breath. It all becomes all integrated, all balanced together. Can you imagine a beautiful summer's day in Chablis, one of those little restaurants in that village, with an icy cold bottle of Chablis and a plate with a big crayfish or crab salad or a lot or plate of oysters even better oysters and chablis marriage mode in heaven that's an idea for mother's day lunch precisely that is as you, as you mentioned the perfect pairing. it is the perfect pairing i the just remembered chablis. it now chablis and and oysters then so is there anything else that they need to know about chablis that's going to remind them of it going to make them want to try it we know that it's clean we know that it's bright we know that it's mineral give us the last little details about chablis why do you love chablis well i do love chablis is really for its distinctiveness it's really for the difference and um it's really a profile of chardonnay that is only found in this particular village and that's why it's being so renowned uh so when we talk about the discoveries i mean to me nothing no other chardonnay has the similar expression and that's why it is so sought after it's so highly specialized and that's the beauty of it that's the beauty of wine is when we talk about South African Chardonnay versus Chablis these are two completely different style of Chardonnay and that's you know perfectly good reason to enjoy mm. both of them in very different manners in very different moments and and yeah Chablis is you know for a very good reason one of the most prestigious appellations when it comes to France um, just because of that distinctiveness. It's also part of Burgundy, which is one of our favorite regions of, of French wine growing region. And Burgundy has Chardonnay comes in white and Pinot Noir comes in red. And we'll get on to Pinot Noirs in another podcast that we do. But to give you all an idea of what Harry is speaking about, that puts it into layman's terms. If you have very acidic soil in your garden, and you plant hydrangeas, if you give them lots of acid and you add acid to the soil and you change the soil balance, those hydrangeas are going to come out very deep, dark purple and dark red and dark magenta in color. If they have less acid, they'll be light blue and they'll be white and they'll be going to pale pink and what have you. So there's a soil in Chablis called Kimmeridge. Tell them about it. Kemmeridge is largely the soil type in Chablis. And I think it's because of that soil. It's Kemmeridge clay and it's and it's mixed with chalk. And I think that balance of chalk yeah. and Kemmeridge hey, just gives us those flavors. It has a massive effect on how the, the wine tastes. Correct. And this is very very unique type of soil itself. This Kemmeridge soil is clay limestone. And the beauty here as well is with the limestone you mentioned, limestone has a very high mm. pH. Uh, for instance, as, you know, a soil itself. Uh, we have a scarcity of limestone here mm. in South Africa, uh, except for a little bit in Robertson, uh, per se. 
I was going to say, Donny DeVette's got some, which is why he makes such delicious Chardonnays at DeVette's off. We love Donny DeVette's Chardonnay. It's because of that limestone. Correct. And, but limestone is also a, a beautiful ability when it comes to water retention. It really acts like a sponge. Uh, so it absorbs all the excess water, but it only trickles it just a tiny bit enough to the vines. So, I mean, one of the core differences, let's say, between Robertson and Chablis would be the climate. It's a lot warmer and drier in Robertson when it's a lot colder and more semi-maritime yeah. climate uh, in Chablis. So two very different adaptations uh, to the limestone, two different profiles. So it's going to be more zesty, more citrusy uh, in the expression of Chablis, but that flintiness, choky uh, profile is going to be distinctive and unique. Let's tell them about the Chablis that we've put into... Mm. A sort of gold shop. Yeah, so we actually put three different Chablis, three different expressions uh, on the village level. And the idea was to continue assist in that discovery. We have one which is called Grand Calcaire, which means the Great Limestone, per se. And this one is coming from a cool area in Chablis to enhance that fleetiness, that zesty, flinty profile. So that's one of the first expressions of Chablis. So if you're really looking for that flinty, uh, textbook flintiness, you can go for the Grand Calcaire, the Great Limestone. If you're looking for a Chablis that would be deeper, uh, riper, you would have a Domaine de la Motte, Vieille Vine, which is made from vines that are at least 50 years old. And here you have a lot more fruit intensity, very long-lived uh, type of profile. And the last one would be Albert Bichot, which is a Chablis that would be a lot softer, a lot rounder, gentler and more elegant as well. So three different expressions on the same level. I can't imagine anybody who follows me or listens to any of the nonsense that I speak or any of my advice, I can't imagine any of them tasting Chablis and not liking it. I highly recommend, I highly recommend a bottle. Buy one that suits your that suits your budget. It's tough out there at the moment. I know wines are expensive, but we specifically put affordable French wines into the shop as a starter because this is, this is our horrible, nasty, fiendish trick to trap you in that French trap because once you're in that French trap, every time you feel like being a little bit indulgent and a teensy bit luxurious, you're going you're gonna to choose French. The last thing I want you to talk about, which I didn't talk about in our newsletter, which I hope everybody subscribes to, actually, because it does help you make decisions like this. But Harvard's got some gorgeous champagne. And champagne, of course, is made from Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, those, those same old Burgundian grapes, but they come from a different region. Give them a recommendation of what, sh what champagne should they do for, for Mother on Mother's Day. Oh, well, I mean, we do have quite an, an extensive collection of champagne now. Uh, what we do, I mean, as we keep on uh, enhancing a, a difference here, is we have a selection of more boutique and exclusive houses. So they wouldn't be, you know, the run-of-the-mill commercial no. houses. So they always would have express a different take. So, and right now we do have uh, particular houses that have gained great recognition with uh, Duval Leroy, or De Vénoge recently. So Duval Leroy just got voted best champagne in show at the oh, Mundus Vini Awards, which is That's happening fantastic. in Germany. Yes. It is gorgeous. 
And the Vinoge garnered the Champagne Master as well for Best Champagne in Show at the Champagne Masters recently. So, two great houses. I think I'm correct in saying that at some stage, De Vinoge, I think, was the house champagne um, at Harrods in England when I was living in, in the UK. And that's where I first tasted De Vinoge. And it is, it really is just sublime. So, why not start your mother's Mother's Day off with a big ice bucket on the side of the bath? Let her have a bubble bath with a bottle of De Vinoge or a bottle of I shouldn't be saying Philipponat, should I? Because I don't think there's stock. Stock is a bit scarce on Philipponat, but we're getting more stock, but unfortunately just after Mother's Day. Oh, stock will end I was going to say, if you after. really wanted to yeah. spoil your mother, buy her a bottle of that. It's, mm. it's sublime. It's just, it's got a million, billion, teensy-weensy, soft little bubbles that pop in your mouth. It's so gorgeous. But, but the others are gorgeous. So any of the champagnes on the Premier Crew page in the shop, buy some. Just buy some for Mother's Day. Spoil that special person in your life. And I hope that you have enjoyed the little journey that we've taken you on. We've got such a long journey that we can take them on, haven't we? There's so many places we can take everyone Oh, correct, to. yes. Was, we can uh, well, travel without moving across France, across Europe, across the New World as well. Of wine. There's a lot of small trips you can do together. We've got stuff from New Zealand, we've got stuff from Italy, we've got stuff from. Por Have we got Portuguese stuff yet? Not yet. I'm still working on it. Okay. You should have done that while you were on holiday That's with an Andalusia. Priority. Well, we've got Spanish wines. There you go. <laughs> of course we have. <laughs> <laughs> Master Baby, it's such a pleasure always talking to you. Thank you for making time. I know you're busy in Cape Town. Thank you for taking time out to talk to me. And we'll put all the links and the clicks. Callum and Shannon will do all of that for us. And have another listen to the podcast and remind yourself of which one you want. And don't only do it for Mother's Day, but Mother's Day is a really good excuse to spoil yourself. Thank you so much for being with me. It's only a pleasure, Carrie, and I look forward to accompanying everybody's journey on the discovery of international wines. So do we. Thank you, my darling. Bye. Thank you very much. Have a lovely day. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts. 